We had the creation of birth certificates. They didn't exist before. You never needed a doctor or a legal contract to prove a human was born. Just think about that. Like The sole reason for that is because as soon as that is signed, you're actually dead. So people think that that signifies birth. It actually signifies death because as soon as you get turned from a human to a corporation, you're dead. Corporation literally comes from the root word corpse, corp, oration, dead speak. So we're born, our parents are so happy, they sign our birth certificate, the doctor signs it, they think that's a good thing. That immediately plugs you into the system. Welcome to the Conscious Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Griff. I'm a conscious serial entrepreneur with a passion for wealth creation, sovereignty and natural law, spirituality and consciousness, financial literacy, commerce, investing, and the game of money. I am the founder of the Level Up Collective, a conscious wealth mastermind in which I lead countless others through the process of unlearning most, if not all, of what we've been taught about the world and the game of money, and then relearning what the rules of this secretive game really are and how we can actually win at it. I was incredibly blessed to stumble across many of the secrets of the 1% at a young age. And rather than keeping it all to myself, I'm on a mission to share this information freely with as many people as I can. This podcast is going to challenge the very fabric of your reality. And at times, you may find yourself running up against some of your deepest unconscious belief systems. I encourage you to give yourself grace, keep an open mind, and never just accept what I say as fact. Always do your own research. I never want you to just assume I am telling the truth. I am not here to convince or teach you anything, but rather to reflect back and remind you of things that somewhere in your consciousness you already know. Take what resonates, discard what doesn't, and enjoy the ride. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. The Steel Mace Nation podcast fitness podcast, but today we're going to be jumping into another realm of thought, a different kind of conversation. You know, this has happened before on the podcast. You know, we like to talk about other things sometimes besides fitness and steel mace. And I came across Jeremy Griffin, who's my guest today. Uh, I came across you on, you know, Instagram's interesting. It starts feeding you things (laughs) that you're interested in. And um, at first, I just thought you were one of these guys who is going to like, you know, oh, buy my book and uh, and you'll be a millionaire. And I said, no, no. Now I'm seeing these posts. And then I was checking out your podcast and your most recent podcast is something I want to talk about. But you got some good stuff going on. So we're going to get into this. But I just want to give you the opportunity to say hello to everybody. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Peace, everyone. I appreciate all of your energy, whoever's going to listen to this. And uh, we promise not to disappoint. I don't think it will disappoint. I want everybody to know is this stuff that we're going to talk about today is really important. It is about, you know, your financial wealth. But Jeremy, I will let you know that my my audience is an interesting group. Steel Nace people are very into conscious 
thought and manifestation and all these kind of things like that. They really, they're spiritual people. It's a great group, kind of small, kind of intimate. Everybody kind of knows knows each other and open-minded. So I invite everybody to really pay attention to this one. Let's start off with just your background on economics, just so everybody gets an understanding of where you're coming from. You want me to get into like how I got into the financial stuff? Yeah, just briefly, because I do want people to understand where your knowledge is coming from so that they literally take you more seriously. I know you got it, got it, got uh, it. You already explained it. I list, I've heard it on your podcast. I want people to know right now. Okay. Yeah. So my journey is a bit unorthodox. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 20. I just turned 30. So it's been an interesting decade. The business that I now run is my fourth business. I was in college for, well, like many people, I didn't know why I was in college. <laughs> so I was trying all the different all the different degrees and I ended up landing on business because, you know, the simple thought was, oh, well, if you want to make money, then you need a business degree. That's probably going to be the easiest way to make money. So that was the extent of my thought process. So within business, I hopped around, right? I was like, I'm going to major in accounting. And I tried that and I was like, this is fucking, I'm going to blow my brains out. So I switched to uh, more like business finance. I'm like, oh God, this is pretentious. So then I switched to like business marketing and I'm like, okay, this is kind of my shit. I like this. But at the same time, all their training to do is be a really good employee. And it was very obvious to me by my junior year in college that I didn't stand a chance in a cubicle. And I I had never had a job at the time, and I still have never had a job in my life. So I don't know what that life is like. And so I knew even before I graduated college that there was no plan B for me. I ended up getting my degree much more so for my parents, but I immediately came home and I started uh, my first business, which was a fitness business, uh, personal training, and then online coaching. As I started to build up the page that you now follow, it's the same page. Um, I started that probably nine years ago or something. I know that's not directly related to how I have an understanding of economics, but that's going to tie in because it's important to understand that I, I've walked an unorthodox path and that I immediately went into entrepreneurship even when I didn't know what I was doing. So I moved back home with my mom and I'm strapped with student loan debt. And then shortly after that, car loan debt. So I have nothing to show for myself. My mom's just helping me out. And I went kind of the tough path, the entrepreneurial path, eating shit, living below my means while my friends are going to festivals and stuff like that. And so when I was 20 years old, I got involved in a multi-level marketing company. And while that didn't work out, like most stories of people getting involved in them, uh, what it did do is it gave me a hell of an education. And so I'm 20 years old and I'm learning from Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins, Robert Kiyosaki, Bob Proctor, John Maxwell. And I'm also surrounded by 20, 21, and 22-year-olds making anywhere from twenty to $200,000 a month passively driving company paid for BMWs and all this type of thing. It shattered my beliefs around money. It shattered my beliefs around wealth, and it opened my eyes to the fact that even though realistically that wasn't my vehicle, I saw something that I could never unsee. And so from that day forward, it was only a matter of time to how I was going to figure this out. And so that's me at 20, and I was very fascinated with trying to figure out what do they know that I don't? What do my my whole thing now is like secrets of the 1%, right? Like they live completely opposite to how, you know, Joe Schmo, your neighbor lives. It's completely 180 degrees different. So 20 years old, I, I go all into personal development and I just start reading and reading and reading. And 
So really the answer I'm giving you is a mix. If you wanted a short-winded answer, I don't give those. But part of the answer is a shitload of personal development, a lot of books and self-education. And the other part of the answer that I explained in the other part of my journey is because I learned all of this through experience. Um, I've lost a lot of money. I've tried a lot of different businesses. I've done different things. I've hired many different mentors, some of which were complete sunk costs and some were good investments. And I did all of that to slowly learn the ropes and try to figure out how are these people playing the game? How does this stuff work? How do the financial markets work? What moves markets? Uh, then starting to learn a little bit more about credit and debt and how that actually works. First off at more of a corporate level and financial market level understanding. And then you can go a level deeper if you look at some of my other content around like the United States corporation and starting to get into some of those rabbit holes that I don't know if a lot of people are ready for. But um, yeah, so that that's kind of what my journey's been like. I never intended, and I, I say this all the time, but for your audience, I never intended to teach wealth. Uh, I hate the whole like guru thing or like the I'm here, you're here talking down to people. That's that's not my whole spiel for whatever reason I landed in this place. But even in the uh, it sounds like we'll end up talking about my community at some point. But even in uh, the creation of my community, I, I started it a month before the world shut down a month before COVID was announced. So it was just a random thing. And I didn't start it as a finance group. I didn't start it as a wealth group. I started it as an all around improving your life group. And it evolved into that because our students over and over and over were giving us feedback that one of the biggest areas they were struggling was financially. And it just so happened that no one knew me as that guy, but secretly behind the scenes when I was a fitness coach and when I was an online trainer and then when I was a life coach and then when I was doing business coaching, secretly behind the scenes, I was never talking about it. But my biggest passion was finances. I always loved uh, stocks and finances and money and just financial literacy. Like I just loved that. So it was, it seemed like an, an opportune time and all of a sudden my students got to see a different side of me and things just took off from there. Great. And uh, I, what I notice, um, I'm glad you pointed out you're not like a guru guy because that was the whole point of me asking you to do your introduction. You know, why not let you speak for yourself? But that was exactly what my first impression was like, oh, this is going to be one of those guru guys. And it's not, yeah. that's not you at all. And, and that's what I want to establish before we get into our conversation. You did mention something that I want to talk about your most recent podcast. I, I think you, you're doing two parts and uh, you still have to release the second part, right? Are you ref which which uh, this would is this be an audio or the one I did with Aaron on video? Oh no, I'm sorry. This is the audio one. Sovereignty USA Inc. I, oh yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a two parter. Okay, the other one so, drops tomorrow. All right. So um, I mean, there will be a little bit of a uh, a gap here because by the time I get this up, the two parts will be out already. I want people to go listen to this. You know, it was good for me to listen to because the first time I heard about what you were talking about in this USA Inc. episode, I did come across an old video, a grainy video of some guy doing like a lecture somewhere. And uh, he had a, a crowd full of people. It looked like it was maybe filmed in the 80s, maybe the 90s, right? Mm. It was very informative. But the problem is it's kind of old. And I don't think young people uh, are going to gravitate to that kind of video. And you did a podcast about this same stuff, 
but also you injected new stuff that I didn't hear about before, like where on the dollar bill it says, in God we trust. How interesting is that? And you know, maybe you could talk about that a little bit, but I want people to listen to this podcast because you do a really good job on your podcast. The sound quality is good. It's called, help me out. What's the name of your podcast? The Conscious Wealth Podcast. The Conscious Wealth Podcast. Yes. So in this particular episode, you talk about something that is mind-blowing. And at, let's start off with this before we get into it. I just want you to talk about it a little bit and then let's let everybody go to your podcast and actually listen to it. I don't want to spend the whole time talking about it. But before you uh, just give us a brief uh, on it, my first thing to you is I've mentioned this to people before, how we're a corporation, how we're basically owned by the Bank of England. <laughs> and and people think I'm a nut. So uh, you do a much better job of explaining it. So, But my question to you is, how do you know this stuff is true? Mm. Well, as annoying of a response as this is, I do believe that perception creates reality. And so for the camp of people who are dead set that this can't possibly be true, in a way it's not. And for the camp of people who are dead set that every conspiracy is true <laughs> or whatever it may be, in their reality it is. And um, from a certain lens, if you if you've ever dabbled in like metaphysics or quantum physics, you create that reality. So that's first and foremost how I look at things. In terms of being a little bit more practical, I like to start off with history. And that's why I really liked the episode and was stoked to have uh, Brett Pike on, uh, who you also had, Classical Learner. Yes. Because few, yeah, few people are as uh, well studied in uh, accurate history as he is. And so for me, I start off with the history. Because if you just go off of a lot of these more gimmicky things, right? Like we, like we hear about, uh, there's a trust that we all have that has a hundred billion. You hear different values, but a hundred million, hundred billion value. And all you have to do is reclaim it. And then you have access to that. And I don't know if you've heard that, but that's called your sesquivian. There's a lot of these more like what I would call fluffy or conspiratorial claims in the space that get mixed in with what I would consider to be irrefutable, practical, documented things. And that's where that's where it becomes easy to kind of Kanye someone and just write them off because 80% of what they're saying is true, but they throw in some extra something and then it's like, oh, they're completely, they've lost it. And, and that is what does communities like the sovereignty space a serious injustice. And so I try to be very particular with what I speak on and what I go on the record about. I think there's a lot of promotion of false claims and such. So to come full circle and kind of answer like, how do you know it to be true? A lot of this stuff, you don't. And that's why I focus on consumer law. The reason that I teach some of the more basics that some of the more radical aspects of the sovereignty people also teach is just so we can have an understanding of how did we get here. But as soon as I start teaching that, you know, like on the last YouTube video I did with Aaron, all of the comments are immediately like, how do I kill my straw man and remove myself from the system and claim my trust? And it's like, I'm, I don't teach any of that because I can't even prove there is a trust. I just know that 
I just know some of the historical timelines. I know that at one point we were a nation. We were an actual land mass. We did actually have sovereign land. And then I know we were converted and we were sold to foreign insurgents. And like you said, the crown, the Vatican still owns us. So it's very ironic when people think that they're like pro-America. It's like they're actually pro-Europe, if you're going to say that. <laughs> um, so, so some of those rabbit holes I just lay out because they're an important foundation to understand how did we get here. But in terms of the actual practicality of what I teach, like behind the scenes and with my students, we focus on something called consumer law, which I don't think gets talked about enough. Consumer law uh, is the, if you just look, look up USC, that stands for United States Code. It's a body of law that was written by Congress. The whole purpose of this body of law is to protect consumers, hence why it's called consumer law. And so anyone participating in the public systems are consumers. So you don't need to do all of this stuff about like, you know, no longer using driver's licenses and license plates and trying to battle cops anytime they pull you over and doing all these fancy things that we don't fully know how well they work versus my approach and how we kind of run our community is I like to go with what I can prove and what I know works. And consumer law we know works because Congress wrote it versus a lot of these other modalities. You're taking a guy off YouTube's claims and you're trying it. You know what I mean? <laughs> or like you're listening to this 80-year-old who just came out of jail, who's studied his whole time in jail, and he's telling you like something that you're going to take full liability for. Yeah. So that's where it's like, it's, you know, it's a fine line and my reputation is important to me. So I'm very careful with what I promote and what I don't promote. So you did mention in your podcast that you see patterns and it's the patterns that you see that alert you, right? They alert you to what's really going on. And I resonated with that because that's exactly what I am doing in life. And that's what I noticed a while ago. The past 30 months has really been a ringer for everybody. And 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 we've either seen the man behind the curtain or we've gone deeper and into into our cognitive dissonance mm -hmm. and now we're at this point where uh i feel personally and that's why i ask you these questions i feel personally like i have my job to do out there to spread the word and try to help people understand and i do find myself getting beat up by people you know how do you know this how do you know this i see patterns I see patterns, and then when those patterns keep revealing themselves over and over, I say, that's that's a thing right there. That's where I should be following. And then I look for like overlapping information that kind of goes to the same point, coming from different sources. When I see that enough, I start to really believe that I'm on the right track. And then I, I guess, like how you just said, there's just stuff that you can't necessarily prove. But we should, shouldn't we really rely on our cognitive abilities? Aren't we doing ourselves a disservice when we don't go with our gut instincts on things, especially when it comes to understanding the way money works? Mm -hmm. What's going on, guys? We just wanted to take a really quick break from the show to thank you guys for all of the continued support and let you know that we are really prioritizing growing this podcast in both audio and video format. 
And on that note, we are wanting to connect with you guys on YouTube. So if you have been following along to our podcast on whatever audio streaming service that may be, we want to make sure that we're also connected on YouTube as we are putting out exclusive video only content on YouTube. And we're also going to be doing some giveaways in the near future. So we want to make sure we're connected on there for those of you who would like to be. And you can find us at youtube.com slash official. All one word, no special characters. All right. Thank you guys so much for the continued support. We could not do this without you. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, I think a blend of that is really important. The disclaimer is that a lot of people can't tell the difference between limiting beliefs and fear in their intuition. Um, so that is the challenge. If when you have a, a populace that's um, so disconnected with themselves, you tell them to follow their intuition, follow their gut, and they're going to follow fear and trauma. Ah, good but point. Th- that's a whole other topic. <laughs> um, but in general, yes, for, if you're if you're educated, if you're aware like the way you described the steel mace community. If you're a thinker, if you sit with yourself, then yeah, definitely intuition is way more important than logic. I've made videos about like the fourth stage of manifestation that gets missed. And, you know, everyone wants to talk about the sitting in the chair and visualizing part. But the real important part is that was the intuitive, the feminine energy, the what you're describing, going with your intuition. But then the important part that gets left out is then you need the left brain. Then you need logic to go act it out in the world. And we have a whole community of people who are forgetting that part. <laughs> so they just keep sitting in the chair and visualizing it and they're, they're missing the logic piece. So yeah, both are equally very important. But I think, you know, to be a little bit more clear on this thread that you're touching on about people recurringly like challenging you, you know, It's hard when we're dealing with generalities. I would need like more specifics of like, is there a certain thing that you are bringing to them? And then they're like consistently challenging it or because a lot of times what I see is like when you start talking about this stuff, uh, depending on the way one goes about it, they just group everything together and they go, how do you prove that? And it's like, well, that's why I answered the way I did where it's like maybe I've learned to be more particular with what I bring up, because if I'm talking to someone, especially who's more skeptical, then I'm only going to bring up things that I can pull up and prove right now. I'm not going to talk about a sesquivy because I'm never going to see that. I'm never going to be able to prove that. I'm never going to touch that. And I find a lot of the space gets caught up in these fairy tales. Um, but what I can prove is, uh, <laughs> what I can prove is, uh, the results that I don't speak on publicly, uh, very often because I'm, I believe in private. I don't know if you're familiar with public and private, but um, I think privacy is slowly being, well, quickly being taken from us. And um, privacy is a very important part of what it means to be American. But anyway, I come from a place of experience and facts. And so in my world, it's hard for someone to say, as these young kids say, you're capping. I don't know if you've heard that. No, I don't. <laughs> it means no. you're li- like, you're lying, like <laughs> cap. But um, it's hard for them to say that when there have been things that um, have been successfully discharged. I have checks, et cetera. So what do you say to that? You know what I mean? Yeah. When I have the proof, but when you don't, when you don't have the proof and you're just like, refer to this social media account, that's when they're like, Oh, I don't believe that. But if you yourself go discharge a car and you pull up in the car, what the fuck are they saying? You're going to jail. I guess that's all they'd say. 
but then you don't go to jail. <laughs> right? Right. So that that's what I've learned to do. I just I don't talk about shit. I'll show you. That's best way, I guess. Yeah, you got to just lead by example or just show the proof in some way. Uh, or, you know, if we talk about this USA Inc. a little bit, would you be able to, with, again, I want people to go listen to you, to your episode. I don't want them to get right. the information from here. So would you be able to just highlight a few of the things that you talk about and please do touch upon In God We Trust? Because that was something... That I didn't know about, and mm. out of my own selfishness, I just want to want you to explain it a little bit more right now. Okay, yeah, I'm going to keep it super uh, general so that people go check it out in terms of the nitty gritty. But around 1890, early 1900, we had up until that time we had been an actual constitutional republic, and our nation found itself in a position where it was facing bankruptcy as a nation. And this was seen as a hell of an opportunity for some particular very wealthy families in England and um, Europe. And so they kind of uh, swooped in and seized an opportunity in which they, I would imagine the way that it was proposed was, you're about to go bankrupt. We can prevent that from happening. No one needs to know. But here's the sleight of hand. Up until then, your body of land, your country has been called United States of America, lowercase. And the sleight of hand is no one's going to know anything changed, but what we're going to do is we're going to incorporate this. So all of a sudden, the United States of America, which represented a landmass when it was lowercase, gets switched to United States of America, Inc., all caps. And... They start to be used kind of synonymously. People obviously don't know what that means because the education system is also <laughs> ends up being created by Rockefeller, which Classical Learner talks a lot about all the ins and outs. If anyone's questioning that, you can watch his videos on it. But um, so we find ourselves in a position where the debt is bought and now the United States is sold and converted to a corporation that is owned by some very wealthy families in Europe. And at the same time, what they needed to do, because when you take over, let's say that a business is failing and you're, you're going to go in and you're going to buy the business, right? Well, when you buy the business, you're also going to receive control over all of the assets of the business, right? Like let's say the business had inventory and machines and employees. You would basically have a, what would be called like a levy on that, on those assets, uh, you would have control over them until X w whatever was paid. If you think about a nation, what is the nation's inventory? Any guess? Well, I I could uh, steal it right from what you said before on the podcast. That would be us, people. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So the people. So now this proposed a tax on the people. How How are they going to do that? Well, they have to create something called a birth certificate. They have to con they have to switch you from a blood and flesh natural person, right? From God, answer to no one but God. They have to convert you into a corporation the same way they just converted the land mass, the nation into a corporation. Now everything inside of it needs to be commercialized as well. 
right around that 20 year period, so much happened. We had, you know, Rockefeller take over the education system. Um, we had all the shit go down with the, the medical system and kicking out holistic medicine and replacing it with Western medicine. And I believe it's called the Flexner report. We had the, uh, the whole situation with the creature from Jekyll Island and these families secretly meeting and coming up with how are we going to essentially take over the world? <laughs> like pinky in the brain. And uh, then we had the creation of the Fed, and we had all these things happen. We, also, in that same time period, we had the creation of birth certificates. They didn't exist before. So, you know, you never needed a doctor or a legal contract to prove a human was born. Just think about that. Like, the sole reason for that is because as soon as that is signed, you're actually dead. So, people think that that in sig uh, signifies birth. It actually signifies death because as soon as you get turned from a human to a corporation, you're dead. Corporation literally comes from the root word corpse, corp, oration, dead speak. So that's where this stuff starts to get really deep. So we're born, our parents are so happy, they sign our birth certificate, the doctor signs it, they think that's a good thing. That immediately plugs you into the system. So that's important to understand because it goes hand in hand with the understanding of what I just walked through about how America was a landmass and we found ourselves in a bad situation and they made a really shitty deal <laughs> that we're still dealing with today. But in the podcast that you keep referencing, the two-part series, the reason that I'm making this is because I've been in this whole sovereignty, if you want to call it that now, um, space for uh, coming up on like two and a half years now. And the what I see a lot of is people get lost in the sauce. There's so much you could potentially learn and Things take time and there's endless amount of rabbit holes. And also this information has been around for a really long time. So you can just, you know, go through your mental masturbation all day long for years of learning this stuff. And I find people get caught up in not realizing that this is just really temporary. The reason sovereignty got popular again was just because of the COVID lockdowns. From 2011 to 2019, no one gave a shit because we had one of the best bull runs in history everyone's eaten, employment's great, people are getting raises, vacations, distractions, Netflix, all of the things. No one gave a shit until the world shut down and they were like, oh shit, I guess my conspiratorial friend was right who was trying to tell me about 9-11 <laughs> or whatever it may be. So that is why we've seen the reemergence of it. And this is when I've entered as well. So I acknowledge that there are a lot of OGs or old heads or whatever you would want to call them who have been teaching this since the 80s, like you said. But my intent with that podcast is if you are new to this stuff, like some of your listeners who are going to go check it out, you're going to find yourself diving into a rabbit hole and you're going to be like, all right, this is it. You're going to think to yourself, this is it. <laughs> and while it can be it and it, it can be serious, it can seriously alter the trajectory of your life in a very positive way. Having said that, it's important to realize where we are macroeconomically, and I think this is where my content is unique. Most people who can speak on this law stuff, they're very, fuck the system, woo-woo, I live in a homestead, which is awesome, by the way, but I'm just painting a picture. You know, I, I live in the sticks, and I don't use internet, etc., and Whereas I'm a lot more practical. I trade in the financial markets. I'm in the stock market. I'm not someone who just writes it off entirely because there's corruption there. I'm more about learn how the game is played and then play it. So I'm in the crypto markets. I'm, so I'm doing a lot of these things that uh, people in the space typically don't do. And I think that it's a needed message and a needed perspective because 
if you don't realize that this whole sovereignty thing is just a solution to something that happened about 120 years ago, then you might create a plan for your life that doesn't match where we're headed. And that's really what I transition into in part two of that episode. And the reason I wanted to get into how it came about, that was just so we have some basic things we can agree upon. But really my intent with the podcast, as you'll hear in part two, is where are we headed? One thing people really struggle with, and this is why investing is so hard for most people, is seeing the future. I mean, it's not easy, obviously. (laughs) No one knows, but you can study history. You can study human psychology. You can study trends. You can study cycles. You can study demographics, things of this nature. And one of my biggest theses that I'm always touching on in inside my community and publicly is something called the fourth turning. Have you ever heard of this? Yes. Yes. So the fourth turning thesis is basically that demographics move in cycles. And we've seen this play out over the last 500 to 1,000 years, which is a really solid sample size. So every 20 to 30 years is a cycle. So first turning, second turning, third turning, and fourth turning. So altogether, you're looking at 80 to 120 years. Well, you could say that our new macro turnings, 80 to 120 year cycle started after World War II with the Bretton Woods Agreement. When they sat down and they hashed out the world powers, United States became the world's reserve currency, NATO was formed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That was 1945. Look where we're at right now, 2000, almost 23. We're at 78 years. So this is where I want to encourage people to focus more on because it's so easy. I'm sure you you know a good amount about the nervous system, being involved in fitness and taking care of yourself. And you look great for what I can perceive your age is a bit, a bit older than mine. So with the nervous system, one thing that I like to remind people of is when you're stuck in fight or flight, which is the response to stress, but it can be more chronic. It doesn't have to be that it bears right next to you. Uh, most people are stuck in fight or flight just because of bills. They don't like their job. They feel stressed, etc. So if you're stuck in fight or flight, one of the things that your nervous system does is it only has you focus on what's right in front of you. You can't see expansively. That's why meditation is so valuable. Zoom out, get into the parasympathetic, right? So I think a lot that's a metaphor or more of a microcosm of what's going on here on a larger scale is people are so traumatized by what happened in 2020 and how their government's treating them and how things just seem to keep getting worse. And now we just had a, a missile fired at Poland or some shit. And it's like it things just seem to keep getting worse, right? And you can get caught up in that. And if you get caught up in that, you're living in a very sympathetic space 24-7. And it's really hard to zoom out and realize this has happened over and over and over in history. The world's not ending, but people don't study history, and so they lose that perspective. That's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, nothing nothing is new under the sun. And actually, mankind has been through even worse before, uh, if you think about it. But we do have new problems. I mean, technology presents problems, but it presents mm-hmm. solutions too. So, I mean, these are all things that we have to contend with in the in the now and everything. But I like how you pay attention to the history. And I think uh, in my lifetime, speaking with people who do economics on any level, when they can talk about history and pull it into the present 
and use it to the benefit of uh, somebody investing or whatever. I always think that those are the best people uh, that I've ever worked with with finances. So uh, that's a tip of the hat to you for paying attention to history. Um, people do not pay enough attention to what has happened in the past. And, you know, you just uh, mentioned like Brenton Woods. These are things that I'm aware of because even before the this COVID bomb hit us, I was already reading about or watching videos about that and becoming a, more and more aware and realizing what that was and all these other things. You know, these are all things that uh, I'm, I'm familiar with. And I know other people are too, but it seems like not enough, right? So that's also great that you're providing really an action to this. So rather than this just be like, oh, do you know about this conspiracy that's going on? And and boy, it, this is messed up. And with you're saying, no, well, this is what's going on. But now let's look at how we can move forward here as, as individuals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my whole brand is about solutions. There's nothing that bothers me more than the person who wants to, uh, in the in the spiritual or healing space that I come from, it's it can be referred to as trauma bonding. It's like uh, that old friend that you grew up with back when you were, let's say you had a troubled past and you guys reconnect and they just want to talk about how fucked up life is and you bond over how fucked up life is. It's kind of like that. People just want to talk about how fucked the world is. They don't want to talk about solutions. They just want to feel bad for themselves. And um, I just don't resonate with that. So that energy can't be near me. I polarize by it. I repel it. And as far as how I run my life, as far as how I lead others, and as far as how I run my brand and all my free content, free education that I put out, everything is around solutions. I'll go as deep as you want into rabbit holes, but the conversation isn't over until it's very clear what can be done about that. And that's why sometimes people will want me to speak on something because it'll get attention but then all of the comments will be misguided because they'll all be like extrapolating things, trying to read between the lines of what they think I'm saying they should do. And it's like, no, those are horrible ideas. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, so my brand not only focuses on the law side, but it also focuses on the spiritual side because that's important. And it also focuses on the financial market sides because those are all solutions to the situation we find ourselves in. And most people are coming at it from a very singular, myopic point of view. And I like to show people that there are many solutions to any problem and we should keep our options open. It's just like chess, you know, like a chess master knows all the potential moves that they could potentially make in any given situation for the next 15 moves. And th- this this game that we're in, whatever you want to call it, it's exactly like chess. 